Welcome to California Groundbreakers, a place that sets trends, starts movements, and shakes up how things are done around the world. We're inviting interesting people doing innovative things to sit down and talk with us about how they're asking and answering the big questions facing all Californians. Our goal is to inspire change across the state, one conversation at a time. Doing live in-person events is off the table for a while, so in the meantime, here's our podcast series, The New Normal in California. During the shutdown, we'll be looking at ways our coronavirus-affected lives are changing over the short and long term, and talking with Californians who are making significant change in this new normal. If you like what you hear and want to help us keep producing more of these, consider making a podcast creation donation. Click on the Support California Groundbreakers link on our SoundCloud podcast page or on the Donate tab of our website, californiagroundbreakers.org. In this episode, we're talking with someone about how to keep our mental health and our sanity intact during this pandemic time. After two months of sheltering in place and knowing life will never go back to the way it was, it's easy to feel stressed, worried, and scared. That's why we've brought in the Chief Wellness Officer at UC Davis Health Systems to tell us some good stuff. Dr. Peter Yellow Lees has been writing a newsletter called Good Stuff about how to keep one's mental health in good shape. He started writing it when the pandemic began, specifically for the essential workers on the front lines at UC Davis Medical Centers. But because his advice is applicable to other people stressed out by the current situation, we got him to sit down and offer mental health tips and strategies for the rest of us. Join us for a conversation with Dr. Yellow Lees about how to live day by day right now, how to thrive while sheltering at home, how to hold on to your hopes and dreams, and how to mentally prepare for the new normal. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Episode 8 of our podcast series, The New Normal in California. My name is Vanessa Richardson. I'm the Executive Director of California Groundbreakers. So right now, we're passing the two-month mark for when California counties started the shelter-in-place orders. And for many of us, it feels like double that time or triple that time since we began staying at home. And whether you live alone, whether you are at home with your your school-age kids that you're now in charge of teaching, or living with roommates or significant others that you're seeing more than you really thought or wanted to see on a daily basis, I think one thing we can all agree on and empathize with each other on is that our mental health and stress levels are taking a little bit of a beating. And even though the weather is warming up and various counties around the state are relaxing their shutdown orders, we're still having to address our realities in this new normal. We're going to be still spending most of our time at home. There will be fewer social activities with people for the time being. There are the job and money stressors, the economic crisis, and there's still the stress of living during a pandemic with no concrete time for when a vaccine will be available. So in the meantime, we're going to have to buck up, stay strong, be patient, and focus on getting through this. And to do that, it helps to have some strategies, some tips, and some solutions for keeping our mental health in good condition. So that is why I invited our guest, Dr. Peter Yellowlees. He is Chief Wellness Officer at UC Davis Health. He is an expert in physician health and telepsychiatry, which Sounds very much like something we'll be doing more than the new normal. And he has published seven books and over 200 scientific articles and book chapters on those topics. He also hosts a podcast called The Joy of Medicine, in which he interviews local doctors around the region about their lives and what makes them tick. And right now, he is publishing a twice-weekly newsletter called Good Stuff, with advice and suggestions for strong mental health and well-being. Dr. Yellows Lee started writing it two months ago, 
when we all started feeling the impacts of the pandemic. And it was originally distributed to UC Davis health system personnel, but now everyone can read it. And I will put a link to that on our podcast page, along with a link to his Joy of Medicine podcast. But based on the good stuff that I've read so far, I thought it would be great to have Dr. Yellow Lees share it with all of us. So welcome, Dr. Yellow Lees. Thank you. And I'm sorry, I keep tripping on your name, but it's been, you know, two months since I've been shut at home. So, but welcome. My first name is Peter, which is actually a lot easier. I will call you Peter. Thank you very much. Um, so yes, I, I have very much enjoyed reading the Good Stuff newsletter. It's been very helpful. And so one one quote that you put in there or one thing that you wrote that I thought was really good and made me feel more comfortable was about the uncertainty and uh, how it makes us feel. So I just want to read a little bit of it here. That's going to lead into my first question for you. So you wrote, not surprisingly, the uncertainty surrounding the pandemic makes all of us feel anxious and afraid. And this is a normal human response. It is normal to become hypervigilant, especially with our nonstop media. It is normal to be concerned when we feel out of control and when we are hearing about a possible future catastrophe, especially when we're fed with differing sets of information from multiple sources and countries. So not being anxious or afraid is actually the abnormal response to the situation. So that made me feel a little better, like this anxiety and this, uh, you know, fear, this low-level fear is not abnormal. But my first question is, I I was thinking about, you know, what I can control and what I can't and how to accept that. So I guess this is my, like, um, my question for you is, I think many of us are feeling less control over things uh, in our lives. And so how do we think about what we can control, what we can't, how to accept that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's honestly, it's very difficult. And that's the first thing. And to actually understand that this is difficult and that this isn't something that you can necessarily do easily or instantly and that you actually do need to think it through. And sometimes you actually won't be able to make decisions either so easily or at all in the way that you used to make them previously. So, so I think um, try and think about, for instance, if you take decisions, try and just make almost small decisions or parts of decisions. Do things day by day in a, in a shorter term than you have previously. So don't try and plan six months ahead. Just maybe be satisfied with the next few days. Um, and, and try and avoid making sort of long-term decisions uh, that you may later regret. Um, so it, because it is very hard to control uh, what's going on around us. We really don't know. Um, uh, you know, we know what the case is today and maybe tomorrow, um, but uh, we, we can't be sure much longer than that. So actually acknowledging that, sharing that with other people, talking about your own frustration about being in that situation, um, and then acting on it um, in a way that is, is sensible um, but doesn't put you at risk. And there is a, another newsletter that you wrote uh, that you, like I said in the beginning, you, you started writing these uh, March 12th, so it's been about two months. So um, one of the newsletters was talking about living in the bubble, and we are living in a bubble now. How to live day to day in a bubble, which I which I thought was a good strategy for thinking about. Okay, I live in a bubble. How do I approach living in that bubble and uh, dealing with it on a day to day? Uh, basis. So I thought, could you could you expand on that? How do we how do we live day to day? Right. Sure. Now? I think I think that relates mainly to our relationships. 
And if you look at most people, most adults really have close, intimate friendships with only three or four people at the most. Uh, maybe uh, a spouse, uh, a sibling, or a parent, or, or, or children, um, maybe one or two other friends. Um, and so our intimate set of relationships are actually pretty few. We have a lot of acquaintances and a lot of friends. Um, and I think what, what we need to do in this situation is focus on those intimate relationships and on those people who we really trust and who we know are there for us right now and who would help us in any other situation. And really deliberately act, actually spend more time on those relationships than, than normal. Because in fact, the, the relationships that you're going to find harder to keep up in our current situation are those sort of friendships and acquaintances and the more distant relationships. And, and actually they, they're not nearly as important as, as our loving relationships. And, and I think there are a lot of things we can do, in fact, uh, even although we're sheltering at home, to, uh, to focus more on the really important relationships in our life. I see that as being the bubble. And so actually, there's some positive things that, that come out of this. And, and I've, I myself, for instance, have been focusing much more on my, some of my family relationships. Um, with you know regular sort of Zoom meetings and uh, lots of lots of sort of similar communication activities, um, and and it's actually been very nice over the last six or eight weeks to have actually got much closer to several members of my family than I have been for a while. Um, and I think we can all think about what are who are our important people, and let's let's spend more time with them if we can. On that note, there was there are a lot of people who live alone. And so in terms of maintaining relationships uh, while you're at home and sometimes you feel like everyone else is out there, how, besides Zoom meetings, how are there other ways that people who live solo and maybe feeling that particularly right now uh, can stay connected to others out there outside their walls? Yeah, I think actually the people that uh, worry me in the current situation are those people who are alone um, and also those people who are potentially victims of uh, violence, domestic violence and things like that, where, where home is not a safe place. And so there's those two big groups of people. Um, uh, and unfortunately, both are fairly common. Um, so, so for people who are living alone at home, it's really vital to get out and to get out and go for a walk once or twice a day. Um, and it's actually very interesting going walking nowadays. Uh, most places, people are extremely friendly. Um, everybody is actually looking for the same sort of human connection, even if, even if not touch. Um, and so it's actually very easy to smile at people and start having, uh, you know, a chat with them, you know, even although you're sort of across the road or five yards away or whatever it is. Um, and so I would do that and deliberately just try and, um, you know, be nice to people and strike up conversations with those neighbours three houses down that you've never actually spoken to before and get to know some people who are new to you um, and, 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 you know, take advantage, quite honestly, of everyone's need to have more human contact at the present time. Um, for those people who, who are victims of domestic violence, I mean, I think that's, that's a really hard one. Um, first of all, very important to keep safe, and there still are places places of safety available, um, you know, in the event that they're needed um, outside of the home, uh, and social services available. Um, but the reality is that that in that sort of setting, it's best to try and keep uh, make sure there's some distance between you 
and that you you have breaks from whatever's going on in the home. Um, uh, again, maybe you spend some time in different rooms in the house if you can, uh, or uh, doing different things, or, or separating yourself, maybe using the children to a certain extent with one, one parent looking after one child, one looking after the other, particularly with schoolwork. Um, and then obviously get outside and maybe go out at different times. Again, to give yourselves, both of you, some, some individual time to, get, uh, to, to sort of work things through. Yes, I, I feel like uh, when I see my friends on Zoom meetings who are parents to uh, young, well, children of all ages, uh, uh, teenagers, and they're, they look a little more stressed than usual because it's not just education, but I think it's also just everyone feeling cooped up at home. And so that is a question that I've heard um, uh, others ask, um, how do I help my children? with their mental health? Because this is such a tough time for children, particularly uh, not, being, not being able to see their friends, um, limitations in how they can play, uh, those who are setting up for graduation and proms. Um, so what recommendations do you have for, um, for parents uh, or those who, who want to make sure that the children that, uh, that they know and love are, are staying in good mental health? Sure. Well, I guess the first thing, it depends enormously on the age of the children and, and the setting, and so things are very different. But if you just look at sort of fairly generic recommendations, I guess the first thing is, you know, don't let your children hear conversations that they shouldn't be hearing. So if you and your partner are having conversations that are difficult or, um, you know, that are personal, um, make sure you have those away from the children. Um, if you're cooped up together, it's very easy to start, uh, you know, losing the normal boundaries that you have as a parent. Uh, from your children. Remember, as a parent, you're not meant to be a friend of your children. You're the parent. Um, and so you have to have a, a, a degree of separation and distance and, and do that quite specifically. So keep that distance. Um, the second thing is um, that uh, routines are great. I mean, kids love routines. Um, they like to know what's going on. They like to have a schedule. Um, they like to have regular breaks and know when their breaks are and what they're going to do. So make sure that you have a routine and you keep the routine as close to what would be their normal school routine as possible. So when you start, when you finish, when you have lunch. Um, uh, but take advantage of that routine. If you're able to get away from your own work and you're not having to, to be constantly on other Zoom meetings yourself, um, spend time with your children and actually, you know, make a good thing of it um, as a parent and, and take advantage of this fabulous opportunity. I mean, it's a great opportunity to spend a lot, of, lot more time than usual with your children and to be able to, you know, take uh, a part teaching role if you can. Um, so, and so, so do that. Um, but also don't just do it with the schoolwork. I mean, I think actually one of the nicest things you can do with kids is play games. Um, get out Monopoly, get out the older games that are really interactive games, not, not so much of video games and the device-driven games where there's often a lot less interaction, but get out the cards, um, you know, or the various sort of uh, you know, counting or stick games and, and try those and, uh, and, and make, make a time of it with your kids so that when this is all over, your children will actually remember uh, the positive things. They'll remember the times they spent with you as parents doing good, fun things together. Um, and that'll actually really change your whole approach to, you know, how this has been as a family. Great. I think another, another issue that uh, we all 
are experiencing and definitely reading about in the headlines are what's going on with the economy and just the the unemployment levels and, and you know fear of losing jobs or if you've already lost your jobs so that economic and job stress is just something that you know is a big load whether you're you know living alone or children and significant others so how do you how do you manage that if you have lost your job or are fearing uh, that you may lose it. That's such a big stressor. It is, and it's very hard um, for, for everybody. And sure, there is, is some government support, and hopefully you're managing to be on, you know, a receiver of that support uh, financially. Um, but uh, clearly, you know, you don't want to have to lose your apartment or your house and, and, uh, and, and the various other things that come with economic, uh, you know, problems. Um, I mean, here you've got to just try and plan as much as you can uh, and apply for that help or that support from wherever you need to get it. If necessary, you know, go to a food bank. You've got to just swallow your pride sometimes. If you can get the food from a food bank and it allows you to continue to pay your rent, then that's a good deal. Um, and, uh, you know, so, uh, but it, but it's a real, it's a real problem. And, and uh, again, you know, we're going to have to, wait for quite a while because there's going to be a huge number of people unfortunately unemployed uh, longish term as a result of uh, this, this uh, pandemic I suspect and so some of those people may well have to retrain I guess that's one thing you can do right now and you can actually get online you can take courses you can try and improve your skills um, and so that's actually what I would advise people who are worried about their jobs or have lost their jobs to do if they're able to do that uh, essentially try and focus on their skills and focus on making themselves more employable once we do finally you know, start reopening properly. Yeah, it's interesting how it felt like two months ago technology was was seen as, you know, a lot of a lot of bad things or you know there was a lot of disparaging talk about it but now it does seem like technology in many ways uh, keeps us connected obviously uh, gets us uh you know skills and uh learning so i don't know how do you how do you view technology right now as a way of um uh, coping and uh using it in in the best way well i think the first thing to to the best way of answering that is to think of how would life be now if we didn't have technology? Um, if, if this had happened, you know, 40 or 50 years ago and we were all in this situation, it, it would be so much more difficult um, because we wouldn't be able to communicate. And, and one of the keys to this whole process is communication. And, uh, and it's not just it's, it's receiving information from other people and from the, the news and various sort of media sources. But it's more importantly, in some respect, you communicating back and keeping hold of, you know, particularly your intimate friends and relating to them. Um, so I think, uh, you know, again, it's like everything. If you do too much time on the computer, it's not good for you. Um, but, uh, you know, if you can spend, you know, a few hours a day um, and that's useful time spent and you're doing specific jobs or specific things, and then, then I think it's, it's perfectly appropriate to do so. Hi, this is Caleb Clark, executive producer of California Groundbreakers podcast. We're working on more The New Normal in California podcasts literally as I speak, but putting them together takes a fair amount of time and money. If you like what you're hearing in this episode and you want to hear more of them, you can help us in two ways. First, consider being a Groundbreaker supporter right now by making a podcast creation donation. Click on the Support California Groundbreakers box on our SoundCloud podcast page 
or on the Donate tab of the homepage of our website, californiagroundbreakers.org. And if you know of a Californian doing some innovative thing during this pandemic time who should be talking with it about us on this podcast, email us at info at californiagroundbreakers.org and give us the info about who, where, and why so we can get in touch. We're always looking to get the word out about groundbreakers who people should know about and support. My next few questions for you tie into some some good uh, mental exercises and suggestions you had in the Good Stuff newsletters uh, about looking ahead and and so one of the one of the ones I wanted to ask you about was uh, you know when we think about making change in ourselves like maybe this is a time where people are thinking okay I have all this time on my hands I can I can change something about myself in this way uh, or making big decisions. I have a friend who is moving. She's leaving her job and she's moving, um, uh, I guess, as of June 30th, she's, uh, she's moving um, to the Midwest. And so this is a time where obviously making change and making decisions uh, seem to be a little different because of so much uncertainty. So how do we, how do, we do it now and what, what do we keep in mind when we're thinking about what kind of change and what kind of, de- of decisions to make? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's two levels of decisions. There are decisions as to your life and your career, and you know your your partner, your job, um, where you live. Those are those sort of big decisions um, that you know, quite honestly, time it, it, it's not a terribly good time right now to make those decisions. And if you can defer making some of those decisions and just keep going as you are. Um, you know, in the, in, a, in the current situation, you're maybe better off to do that. Um, the, the other decisions, though, are, are more sort of, I guess, personal and lifestyle decisions. And I think um, a lot of people have been making really interesting decisions during this time. I mean, everybody says that they're, they're cooking, um, that people are uh, going out and learning new skills, or they've taken up painting, or they're, 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 they're joining musical groups and having sort of, you know, musical soirees, uh, again, online. Um, so there's a lot of people who, who are taking up new activities um, and things that they've always thought about doing. And the way when I'm talking to people about this, the way I actually suggest that they think about this is go back to when you were about, you know, 15 or 20, when you had the whole world in front of you, but nothing was going to block anything that you did. Um, and think about what it was you really wanted to do when you were that age. You know, did you want to be an artist? Did you want to be a sports person? What, what did you want to be? And what really turned you on at that age? And then try and think about some interests or some new hobbies or some new activities that you can do now um, and, uh, and, and follow through with that and actually take them up and so that you come out of this uh, experience with uh, COVID with actually some new interests and some new activities that you can continue on that are, are things that you've taken up quite deliberately because of your, your past interests. And haven't, you haven't just fallen into them as we often do, in fact, as we go through our life and we, you know, we just start a new interest because it sort of happens. Um, whereas here we've actually got the time to really think carefully and think about what is, what is it that makes us passionate about a particular issue. And, and what are, what are the to follow through and and keep it going if you if you want to uh, after we get the all clear and we can do whatever we want to do or a, something along those lines uh, how how do you stick with it because I feel like um, 
sometimes a lot of us do, we want to make change. We want to, you know, take up a hobby and, and then things happen, you know, life gets in the way. But is there anything different now about if you are taking up, you know, uh, guitar or art um, and then we go back? Well, I don't think we're ever going to go back, but, you know, um, when we can go out of the house and, and do more things, sticking with it. Yeah, well, I think some people, uh, you know, will stick with it anyway because they just love it and they enjoy it and it's a whole new world for them and it's something that just, you know, gives them more life. Um, the reality is, of course, some people will not stick with it. Some people will go back to the way things were before uh, and there may be good reasons for that. Maybe, you know, you just have, you haven't got the time, for instance, that you have if you're sitting at home at the moment uh, compared with maybe in the future when you've got a new job and you're, you know, learning new skills and trying to sort of do, you know, 110% of everything to make sure you keep the job. Um, so there may be practical reasons why you don't continue. Um, but at least you give yourself the experience of trying something different and that's something that you wouldn't necessarily have done before. I wanted to ask you in terms of personally, now that we're, that you're sheltering in place as well, what hobbies have you started or, or picked up uh, that you hadn't done for a while while you're sheltering in place? And what have you learned about yourself, if anything, um, since then, in the past two months? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I've learned that you can uh, actually retain and strengthen your friendships and your family relationships. For instance, I have um, two sisters in Britain and one brother in Canada. And we've been having weekly Zoom meetings um, uh, every single week for the last eight weeks. And we've been communicating really well and getting on great. And it's been lovely to actually have a much closer relationship with them. And I'm going to keep that up. I'm going to make sure that I don't lose uh, or, or, or reduce the, the strength of those relationships in the future. Um, you know, in fact, for me, quite honestly, this has not been a quiet time at all. I've been twice as busy as usual. So I, I, I'm not one of those people who's been sitting around wondering what to do with myself. Um, uh, you know, my wife is very similar to me, but she's actually taken up painting. And so... Uh, she's uh, always wanted to do that and she's just never really sort of sat and taken the time to do it and, and I think it's great that she's doing that so I'm you know encouraging her. Um, I suppose the other thing that I'm doing is I'm, I'm probably doing more reading than normal. Um, I've, in fact interestingly I've just read the, uh, the, the book by uh, uh, Barry about the 1918 pandemic um, which uh, if anybody wants to read a fascinating book about about lessons that you can learn from going through a pandemic, they should read that book because it is so relevant to uh, our current situation. What's the title? It's called The Great, Epi the great Pandemic. The Great Pandemic. Oh, the Great Epidemic, I think. The Great Epidemic. Um, and, it's, or, and, and it's about influenza. Um, you know, the, the huge 1918 uh, pandemic that killed many millions of people around the world. Uh, but it's a fascinating book and, uh, and something that I think uh, teaches us a lot. And actually that led, that was leading into my next question uh, for you, Peter, because the previous podcast episode we did was uh, picks of good books and good uh, streaming TV and even good podcasts to listen to during pandemic time. So you gave us a great uh, book read. I was wondering if there are any other, you know, sh TV shows that you're watching uh, or podcasts even that, you know, that give you solace or uh, give you hope or energy. Any any recommendations there? 
Sure, I'll give you a couple of very different ones. One, one other book that I'm actually about halfway through at the moment. I haven't finished, so I can't absolutely guarantee it. But that's actually the, a, a, a biography of Levi Strauss, who, the person who actually uh, created the genes. And uh, he was a fascinating guy um, who uh, came across from New York to San Francisco during the gold rush and decided that he could make a lot more money out of making clothing for the miners than actually doing the mining himself. And of course he did. Um, but uh, it's a really interesting book about the history of Northern California um, and, uh, and particularly around the, the gold rush time. And then in terms of TV, uh, you know, my wife has turned me on to this uh, uh, British uh, series called Silent Witness. Um, and uh, it looks like you may well have seen that yourself, Vanessa. It's an absolutely amazing series about a, a forensic pathologist who uh, has got absolutely no boundaries herself. She's, she's fascinating from a psychiatric point of view, um, but uh, the actual story is really interesting, and she's, she's chasing off trying to find out. She's a sort of cross between a, a detective and a, and a pathologist, and, uh, and, and she, they have some amazing situations where she's trying to find out who the killer was. I, I was just, uh, Peter noticed I was smiling because we're, we're watching each other on the Zoom screen. My parents who had the, they're in Reno and they have been pretty much sheltering in place for the past couple of months as well. They've been watching Silent Witness too. I think there's like 23 seasons. So they said, oh, perfect. There's plenty of time, but they're very much into it. And I went to visit them. I'm not sure if I broke the law there, but uh the I think the the female character is from South Africa, so she was back in South Africa uh, during that time. So I just laugh. I like I had never heard of the show before, and then within a week I hear of it twice. No, yeah, you're right. There are a lot of episodes, okay, and you know um, part of it is a great way of falling asleep as well. <laughs> yes, but there I think that's a great one. It sounds like a perfect pandemic time um, uh, series because epidemiology is obviously something we're, we're learning more about and uh and then 23 seasons um a couple more questions for you the the, the first one i have is like a, a crystal ball uh question for you when you look into your crystal ball if you do uh, thinking about you know as we move forward into um the new normal and post-pandemic time um what do you think will come out of this time that we're that we're living through now for better, you know, uh, good things that come out of it uh, or interesting things for better, for worse coming out of it. What do you think? So I'm always very positive and, and a very optimistic person. And, and one of the things that I have been, again, looking at and reading about, and in fact wrote one of my good stuffs about, uh, is the link between the pandemic and climate change. Um, and there is a remarkable number of parallels. I mean, in reality, climate change is partly the cause of the pandemic um, because of deforestation and, and the reduction in, in the animal species, which tends to make uh, the sorts of infections animals get more likely to be transmitted across to humans. Um, and so uh, I'm hoping that if we can come through this pandemic, and I'm sure we will, uh, in, in, a, in a way that is uh, ultimately quite positive and we can bounce back. I'm hoping that actually we'll pay much more attention to climate change uh, in the longer run and that this pandemic will serve as a warning to us all that we have to make much bigger changes than anything we're doing in the pandemic. And we really need to focus on climate change uh, because that's the big deal now. That's way bigger than the pandemic. 
Um, and, and I see the, the, the pandemic at one level as being really just a, a sort of a sign, another sign, like in, in California, the same as the wildfires. It's a sign that we've got to make some changes and take climate change seriously. What about also, I guess, in terms of mental health, the topic, um, how do you think we will come out of this in terms of uh, how we think about things or act on things? Any, I, I don't know if it's too early to tell, but um, um, yeah, what, do you, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's other, there's other very good things that are going to come out of this. And obviously, I was talking about climate change in a, in, in a way that hopefully you can tell my passion for that particular area. Um, but um, I think I think we're going to value our relationships more because we've actually focused on them more. Uh, I think we're certainly going to have different relationships and different work patterns. We're going to be using technology a lot more. We're going to be doing teleworking a lot more. Um, uh, we're going to actually, uh, I think, make calculations more as to whether we need to go to in-person meetings and can we do them differently. Um, and, and I think that'll be a big change to us. From a mental health point of view, it, I'm actually rather worried uh, that all of the experts uh, in that area are, are predicting, you know, quite substantial levels of anxiety, depression, uh, substance abuse, um, and uh, and uh, almost a sort of post-traumatic syndrome uh, that uh, is unfortunately likely to hit. And in fact. Literally today, the World Health Organization um, sent out a, a sort of warning that, uh, you know, the mental health um, sort of, I guess, sequelae of this pandemic is going to be the, the next phase of the pandemic. Um, and that we're really going to have to take, you know, everybody's mental health very seriously and substantially increase the, the resources that we put into that at a national and a local level um, because I do think you know that with the sorts of things we've been talking about today unemployment in particular there are going to be continuing long-term stressors um, you know the the scientific world believes pretty strongly there's going to be a second wave of a pandemic sometime around October November um, and that in itself is if, I, if we have that that's going to hit us again um, and prolong uh, the recovery period for here, which will, in, again, only increase the some of the mental health difficulties that people have. On, on that note, my last question for you is, at least here in the Sacramento area, resources for those who are, are really feeling stressed or, or, or want to reach out, are, are there uh, resources, uh, a couple that you can recommend, uh, phone numbers or websites that uh, they could start with? Um, so the American Psychiatric Association has a very good website, uh, as does NAMI, the National Alliance for Mentally Ill. Um, these are all major national websites. Um, there are a lot of COVID resource sites. Uh, the National Academies has a really good website uh, that is also, um, you know, available for, for everyone to go to. Um, UC Davis has set up uh, COVID sites uh, and uh, and has got a lot of resources. You know, certainly at the medical centre, we've put up a lot of new resources specifically for our employees um, uh, that we've searched from around the country. Um, and, but of course, you can't you can't forget the CDC. I mean, if, if you're going to go to one place, you should go to the Centres for Disease Control. Um, that's the really the best site, and they have a lot of mental health stuff. Uh, as, as well as, uh, you know, the more traditional uh, information about uh, infections and transmission rates and, and things like that.
Okay, and we'll put those links on our on our website, along with the link to Good Stuff and your podcast as well. And Dr. Yellow Lees, I think I said it right, Peter, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I feel a little more uh, heartened now after our discussion. So appreciate you uh, giving us all good, some good uh, uh, strategies and tips for keeping us mentally sane. So thank you, Vanessa. And we will get through this and we will be fine and we will move forward. And, uh, you know, there is a future. And it's really important we, we keep a hold on that. You've been listening to California Groundbreakers. This episode of The New Normal in California with Dr. Peter Yellow Lees of UC Davis Health was recorded on May 14, 2020. Thanks to Dr. Peter for taking the time to talk with us. Special thanks to our generous donor, Ellen Robinson, who funded the production of this episode. Always, thanks to Caleb Clark at Kickstart Audio for recording and producing this podcast. And of course, thanks to you for listening. If you find our podcasts worth listening to in these difficult times, consider making a donation and supporting our efforts to produce more informative, inspiring conversations about how Californians are coping with the new normal. You can do that, as well as keep tabs on upcoming podcast episodes, our live events whenever it's safe to do them again, and other information about us by going to our website, californiagroundbreakers.org.